Welcome to coming out when freedom is more uncomfortable than familiarity. Today I want to talk about pace, love, and basically the reality that God is not a taskmaster. And I want to share from my learning from pretty raw and honest spaces, but also um, just kind of spaces that um, uh, we have to go to as the body of Christ, because it also will reveal, this also reveals how we view God and how we are going to treat other people in the midst of that. So, buckle in, and we'll get started. Um, so this is the first episode, and I wanted to start with love, <laughs> because it felt important and like it mattered. Um, Scripture talks about how, um, as it gets closer to the return of Jesus, that uh, love will grow cold. And so, what I'm hoping encourages you, and kind of gets blood pumping to your heart again, is um, not to just try and push forward in love, and just try to love people really well. But rather, I want us to see the love of God and how we've been loved. And from that, we can give abundantly because we've been given to abundantly. Um, so I want to talk about that. And I just want to talk about kind of some stuff that I've been pondering and wondering for years and even how I approach people and how I... Like, how I love people, how I've done it wrong, where I've gotten it right, uh, and where I can grow. And so, I've, I've been thinking about pace a lot recently, because in America, we are very fast-paced. Um, we're very quick to just jump to the next thing, and we think that hurried life and uh, and fast means good and I'm probably going to give you some forewarning that I'm probably going to talk about some things that um, the church might seem as taboo but I think it's necessary in order to get the point across so I want to go through <laughs> bits and pieces of scripture and I'm sure people have talked about this and hashed this out better than I have um but yeah so like I one of the things we talk about love is how we think like there are a lot of verses actually that come to mind out of scripture and one of them being um 
uh, I'll just be super honest here. The uh, this is a really silly side note, but the uh, chair I'm sitting in is this like old rocking chair that's like a lazy boy, and it's my favorite. It's leather with like a knit pattern, and it's really comfy. But um, so. <laughs> uh, you have full permission to get as comfortable as you want because we're going to talk about some uncomfortable things. Uh, but I think of First Corinthians and how it talks about if I have power, but I do not have love, I have nothing. I, I am nothing. I am nothing more than a clinging gong. Um, like loud for people to hear, but it. It's not actually helpful. Um, and then Paul says, let me show you a better way. And then he shows like love is patient. It's kind. It's not easily anchored, angered and it doesn't boast. Um, it always hopes. It always trusts. Like it's so beautiful. Like when you look at it, and I think a lot of times we've done a really poor job at putting that into the character of if God is love, God, it means God is all of these things. He's patient. He's kind. First Peter, maybe Second Peter, Second Peter three nine, I think, is he's not slow. And how we understand slowness, but actually he's patient, um, because he desires that all will come to the knowledge of. God and they would be saved and return like and repent and be saved right and so what I want to put into question is is our hurried pace in getting people from point A to point B is it like God um, I think it's a question we have to ask when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt um, they come out under from being under a taskmaster and they come out from knowing only incredibly hard days um, being used for their gifts being used for what they can do um treated like animals that are there for other people's benefits rather than people to be loved and cared for and I, I look at that and then Jesus um, I mean it's it's God Jesus is God look just get out of the way I'm going to use them interchangeably because Jesus was with God before the foundations of the earth so whatever <laughs> um, God leads them out of of Egypt the Israelites are following and they're being brought to true freedom um, not the absence of something just like a taskmaster but the fullness of a good God who is not a taskmaster and he brings them out and because they don't have trust 
and they're not resting and like he's been wanting to provide for them all along he's been wanting to show himself good to them that he has only good intentions for them familiarity seems like a better choice um, even to the point of slavery seems like a better choice to them because it's so uncomfortable being free And I think the uncomfortability is the realization and the revelation that there is distrust here. Um, and when you feel the distrust, you are very uncomfortable um, with people <laughs> and God. But like, let's even go into relationships. When I am with friends that I'm building trust with, and if I know there's not trust on the other end, I feel the uncomfortability of it and the tension. But, like, that's part of long-suffering, right? We suffer with Jesus, and we suffer alongside of him. Uh, people would be brought to trust him. And uh, the question that I've been pondering is, do we, um, do we go at the pace of the rest of culture in America because we don't actually know his character and we know he's not the one who's rushing us somewhere but rather he's actually willing to take time he's willing to take time to purify us to get us ready to stand before him and I'll be super candid most churches I've been a part of are more about They're not. A, it's not about getting people equipped and how to, how to walk out their lives in a way that is God fearing and God honoring, but rather about getting people to serve their purpose. Um, I'm not only comfortable saying that; I am adamant on saying that because I've been a part of churches that that treat people the same way that the taskmasters in Egypt treated people as people to be used to get to the ends of, like, as a means to an ends, rather than people to care for and take care of and feed and shepherd. When we see people as product, we will treat them as such. But when we see people as valuable and that God longs for them, we will actually be significantly more patient and kind we will be more gentle in how we approach things. We will um, yeah, like there's it, it, it entirely changes how we treat people when we understand who God is and how he treats us. Jesus says um the pagans are the ones who have to fend for themselves. Um, but he's talking to the Israelites, like the Jews, and he's like, but you have a father in heaven who cares for you, who loves you. And he talks about like the, and I'm so guilty of this and I've been guilty of this. And I'm talking about it because it's where I'm at. 
at. And it's what God's been working out in me when people have discouraged me away from believing God for my daily needs. But at what point do we believe the words of Jesus? When he's like, don't toil or spin like the lilies of the field. They don't worry about where their needs are going to come from. And look at the birds of the field, the sparrows. They're not they're not worried either. And what disservice we are doing to people when we teach them they must worry about their life and then like what what's gonna happen with it. And the irony is Jesus actually says that there will be people who turn back because of they are more worried or concerned about how their life will go. When he's talking about the parable of seed sown onto different types of soil, one of the reasons is that the cares of this world will choke out the seed. And it is a hard reality to go like, if I'm more concerned with the cares of this life, um, it could actually extinguish what God is trying to do in me. And literally going into um, very honest moments, uh, it has not been an easy two years for me even. But it doesn't change the fact that he's been super, super kind and gracious to me and super um, super good to me. I moved to be a part of a church plant. I uh, felt God direct me there and so I went. And in December of 2019, I had a dream about what was coming. I didn't know all the context, but I, I had a dream. And in March of 2020, 2000, yeah, 2020, um, I watched it play out. And um, I watched the church try and go back to the familiarity of the system and I decided I was out I like I decided I'm not I'm not doing this anymore I'm not going to try and build a tower of Babel where we try to get people just to gather to serve our thing when we are unwilling to actually do the everyday life with people. Um, and leading up to that, uh, leading up to <laughs> COVID happening and the world shutting down, my place of living dissolved my job dissolved 
and my car engine blew up all within three weeks of each other. Like, a little bit than a three-week span. First Friday, it was in February, was the place I was going to live dissolved. The next week, the next Friday, was the... Uh, my, my job, which I knew was coming to a close. Um, Friday, it was stated, like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to dissolve your position totally fine and then the next Friday my car engine blew up and the next Friday I was a plane back to Kansas City um, and uh, uh, for a wedding and the next Friday two of my best friends got married and the next Friday uh, I was back in Florida and uh, on a plane not knowing where I was going to live. Um, how I was even going to get there. What was going to happen. Um, but I watched God show up. Time and time and time and time again. And his provision was unlike anything I've ever seen. And I'm still walking in it, and I'm still living in it. And it is wild to me. Because what the past two years has taught me is that I've been, I am more cared for than I could possibly imagine. I'm more loved, and I am more, uh, like, I mean more to God than I, th than I think I even thought I did. And it's wild because, like, why do we keep people from entering here when they actually get to find Jesus? Like, I have found Jesus in the middle of suffering because it's, Scripture says that I'm partaking in His suffering. It's not a part, like, He's not joining in mine, I'm joining in His. And if that's true, that means I get to experience a really, really kind and gentle, but strong and firm father and brother and friend who's more faithful than I could ever be. Who's more faithful than any other person could be. And I, I moved back to Kansas City in July um, of 2020. Or actually August, I left in July. Went on a trip and moved back and got back to Kansas City in August and um, since the moment I, I'm 31 now I'll be 32 at the end of the year but since I turned 30 even leading up to that I literally have been just experiencing his um, him meeting my daily needs and the things that like my heart has longed for and desired for for years like the questions I would ask like how long until you keep faithful like until like this happens and what, what I want my life to offer is that is 
the reality that God is good, period. No question marks. It is fact. There's no... There's no but on the end of it. There's no God is good, but it's He's good always. And even in the hardship, when He takes us through hard things, He promises He will be with us like He gave us Himself. And so I share this to go like, we are more loved than we could possibly imagine. Ephesians, right? Like Ephesians 3. That we would, even though it's beyond all grasping, that we would know the love of God. And the more I talk about it, the more tender I become because all I wanted in life was to be known, loved, wanted. Uh to to find a place that was home to belong and uh, it's like all found in God through Jesus no one else and the more that I realize I'm loved and that he's actually really patient with me um I will, I trust him more. It's crazy because like, actually in the reality that he's patient with me, it makes me trust him more and want to trust what he says more. It's not in his hurriedness and it's not in his, um, it's in his kindness that it leads me to repentance, right? Like that's scripture. Like his kindness towards me has made me want to turn away from things that are lesser in ways that sermons never could actually get me to do it because a lot of people could berate me with the bible um but a lot of people were never patient or kind with me and i've had friends in the past eight years who have revealed the heart of god to me and it has shaped and molded and transformed me of how good he actually is. And it's crazy because in it, it makes me want him more. And it makes me actually step away from the things that are, he says are not good. And it makes me trust him. Go, okay, you say those aren't, aren't good. I see your care for me in my entire life. So if you're this intentional, it literally means that you actually may know best. And it means that you have my best in mind. So when you say, don't do that, it's not a, don't do that, it's a, hey, this will hurt you. Like, this will not lead to somewhere good. There's no life in this. And so, I, going back to the Israelites, I was... I've been perplexed and not in like a, um, I can't grasp it, but it's like a pondering the, God tells the Israelites that he has a land for them, 
and that he's like they're going to work it and they're going to you know not like work it uh but you know uh like they're, they're gonna work the ground and they're gonna till it but as i was talking with a friend last week um about a week and a half ago we were discussing how farmers um only did like extremely hard work for about three three to four months and the rest of it was tending and caring to it and like what is our understanding of work in the west and right now i would say our understanding is you know 60 60 hour weeks is pretty normal for a lot of people I've been super blessed and taken care of to not work the same hours as other people, but still be taken care of. And I have felt the judgment and I have felt the condemnation, even from people in the church. But when you talk to a farmer, um, so I've been working on personal projects and things that like God has specifically put into my hands and I want to be faithful with, like, I want, I want to trust him with it, and continue growing them, and I've had people in the church specifically go, well, I don't, like, you're not working, I'm like, no, I'm working, well, you don't have a job, scripture never says a job is the equivalent of working, um, well, you're not making money. Does a farmer, is a farmer not farming just because he doesn't have fruit right away? Is he not working even though the byproduct is not instant gratification or instant pay? The, the hurried pace that which we live our lives it actually squelches love because it pushes people past where they're currently at. I've watched friends, I've watched um, people who who try to rush the process that God has them in, almost like if we can bypass the process, we can get somewhere quicker. The destination is transformation not a spot in time or for us to be just doing things that look good outwardly but inwardly we're not doing it from a heart posture that is actually pleasing to God that is trust and so if that's true if he is more concerned with my transformation and more concerned with me being conformed to the image of Christ for me to be holy as he is holy that's going to take some internal work and it will have to work itself out. Like, even to the degree that it is so slow, then it might infuriate other people. Just in the same way, when Jesus was not rushed or pushed ahead, he did not bend to their pace. He actually slowed the disciples down the Pharisees out infuriatingly so that they were they were angry with him like you're taking too long what's going on meanwhile he was intentional and he was 
like going after the one that was right before him. And just because he wasn't working in their time frame didn't mean he didn't love them. It just meant that there was someone in front of him right now as well. In Daniel, it talks about how Daniel prays and God answers and sends an angel, but the angel gets caught up um, fighting like basically demonic forces in, I believe it's Persia, if I remember correctly. Um, it's interesting that the delay, what we seem as the delay, was directly affected and um, that there was a delay because he stopped for someone else. I think that's the biggest thing that I've been a part of teams at churches that they're like, well, you aren't here on time. You need to be here on time. I've heard people, you have to honor people's time. True. But Jesus also honored the people's time who didn't mean anything to almost anyone else in society. And Jesus stopped and he cared for the ones who were seen as less honorable. And time and time again, I have watched us religiously proclaim that we're not honoring people because we're not bending to their time frame when God invites us to walk with him. And actually, like even the disciples, the people that he was teaching were slowed down to the point of they weren't getting where they thought they were going to get. They, they were like, we have to go here. We have to do this all like, and how often do we do this with God? I have to get here. Like this is this is the destination. When the destination was never a physical place, but rather it was a home seated in the heart of God. I've been contemplating the story of the father and two sons for a while. I actually watched a TikTok today that explained it so well. But one of the things that I've noticed for a long time is a lot of people will look at the son who walks away and go, oh, what a shame. But they don't look at the son who's out working the field um, instead of waiting on the front porch for the return of his brother with his father. Which means that the son working in the field didn't know the heart of his own father just as much as the one who walked away and thought he wasn't going to be good to him. The irony is that the brother working in the field also thought his father wasn't going to be good to him. It says that he waited, the father waited on the front porch every day. Like looking over the horizon, the horizon, just waiting for his son to come home. And how many people are out working the field, but they're not sitting and waiting for the return of people. Longing, anticipating. The pace is so different. Sure, work needs to be done. 
But if God the Father is on the edge of his seat, waiting, watching over the horizon for the return of people that he loves, we, we don't, and we're not doing it with him. We don't know him. We don't like, we don't know him. We don't know his heart. Because the moment we know his heart, we will, it, it will change us. It will. My entire life has been, um, the more that I realize how much I'm loved, the more I realize all I can do is respond. Like, none of this comes from me. I am not the origin point for any of this. And I realize how kind he is and how good he's been to me all along when I did not deserve it. When I ran in the opposite direction. And how patient he's been with me has revealed his love for me. And it's why I don't push people anymore. Like, I will encourage them and spur them on, but I don't get behind them and push them forward. I will invite them in, but I, I don't want to push people. I don't want to put pressure on them. I don't want to put weights on them that they can't carry. Jesus doesn't. He hasn't done it to me. He's actually invited me into something better that's a lot lighter and a lot more free. But love endures all things, right? It endures all things. So the question remains is, if my endurance is low, is it possible that my love is low as well? Is it possible that I'm not loving the way Jesus would love? If my endurance is high, is it because, like the woman sitting at his feet, because I've been forgiven much, I've, I love much. But because, Jesus says those who have been forgiven love only a little. But those who have been forgiven much love much. And in a humanistic approach, we could just go love people more. My ability to love people is is low by myself. It really is. However, um, I think this is why Revelation talks about first love is... Um, if we forget our first love, we can't love. We love because he first loved us. If I don't realize I was loved and I was forgiven first, it makes it really hard for me to give it away. Because I've detached myself from the one who is love, from the, from the one who does forgive. So as an encouragement, I want to get like, 
who are the people that have either taught you wrongly or um, that you have a hard time loving this way. And I, I'm, there are people that come to my mind as well. And I want to love them better. Because when I was undeserving, I was loved really, really well. And the beautiful thing about love is that love does not give based on worthiness or how much we deserve it, but rather because love set itself on its affections and it chooses to love regardless. Like, I don't get to dictate where someone's love goes because they want to give it. Um, In the context of like, I don't get to tell God who he can or cannot love. Um, He's God. He gets to tell me who I can or cannot love. That is that is true. Because <laughs> he established the world. But I don't get to, to say your love shouldn't go there. When, <laughs> when his love went to hell and back. To get people back. And if that's true. That means. Uh, as Jesus would approach all of the most unworthy sinners that any Pharisee could ever imagine throughout all of scripture, even going into my own life, my own story, I was the chief of sinners among everyone in the pew seats that I grew up with. And yet he came for me. And he wanted me Like, he wants people. Jesus is looking over Jerusalem and says, Oh, I long to gather my people. Like a mother hen would gather her chicks under her wing. And then he says, The people who who gather with him are with him. The people who scatter, people are not with him. And what I want you to hear at the end of the day is that he is better than you can imagine he has your best in mind he's not trying to suck fun out of your life I I have found more delight and joy in what he has said to be good than I have found anywhere else and What I want to leave with is like, just because he's holy, it doesn't mean that he's not good. And actually, I would go as far as saying that because he's holy, he's only good. And because he's good, he he is holy. And this will lead into a lot of other topics we could discuss of um, justice and mercy and I think we probably could go there even right now but I want to leave it here is that he's better than you thought and Paul says that in order to 
come to God, we first must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And what that means is that he's good, he's God, and that he'll be good to us. And getting to walk in the things that I've desired to do for most of my life. And, and I don't have to bang my way through the doors. I don't have to punch down walls in order to do it. It's literally just... He's opening up doors for me. that, Like he's providing space for me to go into places that I've longed to go for years. And in all honesty, I know I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Like, I have tried to make it happen in the past, and I couldn't. And it's provoking the... Um, the legalism that I grew up in, that it was just my responsibility to make it happen, to, to be faithful, and then he'll be faithful to me, rather than he was faithful first, and he's inviting me into faithfulness with him. That he's been good to me first, he's been kind to me first. And the hipster in me growing up didn't know what to do with that because I wanted to be first in everything and now I'm like Ugh. not only am I not I could never be and I am so grateful that the God who would send his son to love me and die for me and take my place and everything that I deserved because of distrust would actually want me back and he would pay in order for it to happen thank you for joining and uh, I just I pray that you would find that he's good to you today not that he will be good to you in the future but today that you would see his goodness towards you that you were loved and cared for today there's nothing you could do to make yourself worthy or loved enough in order to get there, but that he loves you right now. And that you can trust him, and that he's good. He's so good to you. And that he has enough for you.